It reads like this. Again, listen close because I said to you 23 verses. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, like infants in Christ. I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready, for you're still of the flesh. There's jealousy, strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? Because when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you being human? What is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord has assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. We're God's fellow workers. You're God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw... Each one's work will become manifest. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, they will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only through fire. Don't you know you're God's temple? God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive themselves. If anyone among you thinks that he's wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness, and again, The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let let no one boast in men. Everything's yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Lord, we ask your blessing upon the reading of the message this hour. We ask you to open up this passage in 1 Corinthians 3 to our hearing, not just to our ears, to our inner person, to our spirit, to our soul, to our very heart. Open it up to us that we may learn of you, magnify you, but also learn how to live as children of God in this world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes I title my messages, sometimes I don't. I gave today's message a little bit of a silly title, and I'll tell you what it is. Settling for hot dogs when prime rib is on the menu. Settling for hot dogs when prime rib is on the menu. Uh, I'll explain that momentarily. Yesterday, I told you last Sunday, 
that my son Nate had invited me to breakfast, and I chose to go with him. And he brought along my grandson, his nephew, Easton, for breakfast. Easton turned six years of age this week. And uh, we went to where Easton wanted to go. And Easton had never eaten at the IHOP. And so he told his Uncle Nate he wanted to go to the IHOP. And we went to the IHOP, and Nate, uh, I don't know what Nate got. Um, I got a breakfast, but Easton got three pancakes. Now, I'll tell you, if Easton spends the night at our house, Papa always makes pancakes. And on this day, uh, he ordered pancakes. I asked him later whose were better, and he said IHOPs. But anyway, he ate those three pancakes. He ate them. And uh, when he ate them, I had two that came with my meal that I wasn't going to eat. He looked at me and he said, Pap, you're going to eat those pancakes? <laughs> I said, no, you want them? He said, I want one of them. <laughs> so we fixed it up for him and he had another. Um, it's amazing because he's six months old. He's starting to eat better than I do, if you can believe it or not. And I can remember when all he could do was drink a bottle. I can remember when all he could do was take milk. Sometimes when we have the chance to do something good, we ought to do it. Sometimes when we have the chance to do something good, it may become complicated. Last week, the opportunity came for me to help Janice's brother and sister out. And I offered to help. And Janice said, I never thought you'd do that. When I called Janice's sister to tell her we were going to help, her sister kind of said, I never dreamed in a million years you'd help us in this way. It wasn't that big of a deal, but to them apparently either I'm that bad of a person or this was that big of a deal. And so they said to us, well, come over. We are going to be eating out at the campground, and we are going to cook steak, and we want you to eat with us. And when we got over, they were cooking prime rib. Yeah. So I uh, was sitting there in a chair waiting for my prime rib, and uh, they were having trouble with something, and I decided I would get up and try to help them out. And I stood up, turned around, came up at the same time, and took off walking all at once, just in time to hit the corner of the slide out on the camper. And I have two stitches here in my head today because of that. A little while after we went to Altman Hospital and got home, 10.30 at night or so, spent a lot of time in the hospital, my brother-in-law texted me to tell me thank you again. And I responded back to him and I said, you know, Tom, anytime, anything for you. I'm, more upset. I'm not upset about my head. I am more upset about the fact that your dog ate my steak. Um, settling for hot dogs when prime rib is on the menu church I want to tell you church I want to tell you the body of Christ can be so much more than it's ever been as we read the scripture this morning you may have wondered what was I talking about Easton eating pancakes things can be so much better than we expect sometimes we settle for the hot dogs when God is offering us what he's has to offer us. When I read to you 1 Corinthians 3 this morning, I want to tell you what I was talking about. I was talking about growing up. I was talking about maturity. Paul says this, 
I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it. And even now, you're not ready for it. When Paul wrote this, he had been in Corinth for about 18 months. That's who he's talking to, the church at Corinth. You've got to keep in mind that Paul was the guy who was the spiritual father of this church. He had birthed this church, and now he was hoping that he could grow this church and help them to mature into what God wanted them to be. You know what one of the marks of maturity is? One of the marks of maturity is, is that you can eat prime rib or a hot dog or three pancakes instead of milk. And what Paul said to this church was this. You're eating milk. You're eating milk. He would speak in in another letter that he wrote, and he said this. It's rather in Hebrews. He didn't write it. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word. He's He's a child. Solid food is for the mature. Those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You know, my kids took piano lessons from a guy down in Dover, New Philly, in New Philly, called Joe Palmer. Um, Joe Palmer was the best piano teacher on the face of planet Earth. But he would practice, and as students came and went, he would sit there and practice. And if a student didn't show up for a lesson, he would sit there and practice. And the most amazing thing to me was to look at Joe Palmer's hands. He's the only person I ever met that had muscles in his fingers like Bob Dorschach has on his calves. It was amazing to me to see those hands. The way he got that way was by practice. It was constantly using those fingers and trying to learn better how to do his craft. What did Paul say to the church at Corinth? You're eating milk. In 1 Peter 2, 2, Peter said this. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that you may grow up into salvation. Hear me now, milk's a good thing. When we're babies, it's a good thing. And for all Christians, there's a time for milk. But there are other things to eat. Jesus said this, We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. We need to be sure that we are growing up. The writer of Hebrews said that meat is something that God offers to us. We don't need to be unskilled like those that live on milk, but rather we have to have solid food, mature food, food that helps us to grow into what God wants us to be. How do you know if you're a mature Christian? I'm going to say something that you probably didn't expect. You might say mature Christian means that uh, you've been in the church for 30 years. Mature Christian might mean that uh, you've been a Christian for 40 years. Mature Christian might mean that you read your Bible every day. That's not the first marker of a mature Christian. A mature Christian is able to identify what Jesus is up to today. Say, what? A mature Christian is able to see where God is at work right now can i tell you something sunday school stories are important it's important that we know the word i'm not telling you not to know the word 
Do you know that when, when Sunday school material, I don't know that this is still true. <laughs> it may not be true today, but, but back when, when Sunday school first started, when I was going through seminary, Sunday school material and all your scripture lessons went through the lectionary. And every four years, you got through the gospel stories, so you learned them. Those things are important to know. But it's important to grow up from that. It's important to discern who God is and what he's saying to us even more. The stories are important, but when we know Jesus personally, we've grown up and matured ourselves to where we can see where he's at work. Paul would write in another place in this letter, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Can I tell you something, church? It's important that we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who don't have Christ. But it's just as important that we interpret the gospel to the church, that the church can grow up into what Christ wants us to be. What's Jesus doing right now? Look and see where he's at work. Look and see where he's doing something. Look and see where God's spirit's moving and identify that. Enjoying God on the journey. Mature Christians know what Jesus is doing right now, and they want to get involved in it. Mature Christians practice love, and they seek to get along with each other and with others. Hear that. They seek to get along with each other and others. So often in the church, we think it's all about us. I've got to have my way, you've got to have your way, and if we can't agree, we're going to have a problem. No, that's not how the church functions. But it even goes beyond that. What about others whose lives are different, whose choices have been different, but who God still loves? Listen for a minute to what Paul said. I'm reading to you still from 1 Corinthians 3. You're still of the flesh. There's jealousy and strife among you, and you're behaving in only a human way. For one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. And aren't you merely being human? Can I tell you what Paul just said to the church at Corinth? He said, you're fighting over personalities. You're fighting over people. One says, I'm for Paul. One says, I'm for Apollos. And so when we we fight over personalities, what happens is we don't like it when our personality doesn't get the limelight. It may be that we're the personality. And just to be clear with you, it's not just clergy, or if you would, leadership that we tend to focus on. Sometimes it's just each other ourselves. You say, Joel, what are you talking about today? I'm talking, church, about growing up. I'm talking about maturing so that our spiritual gifts become known to us. And so that We know our spiritual gifts well enough that we can help to build the church that Christ wants us to be. Ministry is more than singing a few hymns, hearing a nice message and going home. Ministry is loving people, feeding people, disciplining each other, talking to each other, fellowshipping, enjoying the presence of the people of God. But it is so much more than just what we do. The reason for that is that God's looking not only for maturity, but he's looking for quality. Listen to what he says in this passage. What is Apollos? What is Paul? 
They're servants through whom you believed, as the Lord has assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. Let me just stop and interject this. He's saying Paul and Apollos are one. They're not separate. They're servants in the kingdom. So, so, so he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Listen to this. For we're God's fellow workers. You're God's field. You're God's building. You know, Jesus told in the book of Matthew 5, the parable of the sower. You know, the sower went out to sow, and he threw seed, and it fell on a variety of soils. And it's all about the individual. That whole parable is about you, me. It's about how the word of God falls on our hearts and what we do with it. But what Paul is writing here is about the church. He's applying the same principle to the local body of believers in the church called Corinth. And he says, understand, it's not about the health of Paul. It's not about the health of Apollos. It's about the health of the church. It's about the health of the body. And when we focus on personalities and we focus on individuals and think that it's got to be all about somebody... That means it's not about God. We are God's fellow workers. We are one. We're God's field. We're God's building. And the task of ministry and sowing, cultivating, watering, harvesting may belong to us. But who gets the increase? Who gets the glory? Listen again to what Paul said. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So I want to stop for a minute and talk to you about how the body grows. I'm going to have to turn to a page here because I forgot to bring my Bible along. So give me a second to get there. How does the body grow? It grows by recognizing that we're not alike. We're diverse. By recognizing that you're not me and I'm not you. That Catherine is not Bob and Bob is not Dave. That God has gifted us in very specific ways for the growing up of the church. In the, in, in the seventh verse, what Paul says, sorry, I've got to find it. In the seventh verse, listen to what Paul says. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Catch that. Somebody plants, somebody waters. But God gives the increase. So we're different. But then he says in the 8th verse, he who plants and he who waters are one. Did you hear that? There's diversity of gifts, diversity of ministry, but they're one in purpose. Let, Let me explain it to you. Paul didn't say, hey, I'm better than Apollos, and I'm the guy you ought to follow. Apollos didn't say, hey, I'm better than Paul, and I'm the guy you ought to follow. They both said, we're both laborers in God's building, and God is the one that you ought to follow. Anytime a ministry or a minister or a leader or anybody at all points to themselves instead of the hymn, we're in trouble. Church, you can be proud of your church. You can be proud of somebody in your church. But when you do it to the detriment of where the glory rightly belongs, and that is on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're in trouble. It 
In, the book, in this passage this morning, Paul said this, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. I, I read a number of blogs, a number of books. I read a lot of stuff. But I came across a statistic just this week that I want to share with you. Across the United States, post-pandemic, the rate of return of individuals to the local church, listen close, the rate of return to the local church when the doors opened up was 37, is 37% of what it was pre-pandemic. That ought to frighten you. Kind of frightens me. But here's why. Listen, listen again to that verse I just read. Each one's work will become manifest. The day will disclose it. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. You know, I think that pandemic, I think that COVID with regards to the church and everything that went on, I think it shook us up and shook us down. I think there's been a lot of fallout. I think there's been a lot of sifting going on. And I think a lot of what wasn't real and wasn't really committed to Christ has fallen by the wayside. You don't have to agree with me, but that's what I think. If you go read Hebrews 12, 27, I'm not going to read it here right now, but you go read that. It talks about God shaking things down. I think that's kind of what's happened here. And friends, in the local church, the ministry and the reality of what we're supposed to be about is supposed to be quality for the sake of the Lord. How do you accomplish that? Well, Paul said here this in 1 Corinthians 3, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one that's been laid, which is Jesus Christ. Church, the first matter of having a quality body of Christ, local believers, is to build it on the right foundation. If you're building on anything other than the gospel of Jesus, you're building on the wrong foundation. Secondly, you've got to build with the right stuff. Hear what Paul said. If anyone builds with gold or silver or precious stones or wood or hay or straw, each one's work will become manifest. The day will disclose it as things are shook down, as things are, are ruffled around. It will get shook down. It will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each kind of work that has been done. And if the work that's been built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work does not survive, he'll suffer lost. Do you not know that you are God's temple? God's spirit dwells in you. If you destroy God's temple, God will destroy him. The temple of God is holy, and you are that temple. Church, the best materials for building up the local church are not the wood, hay, and stubble of our lives, depending on personalities and individuals. Rather, it's depending upon the good news of the gospel. It's building that foundation upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, it's serious work. It's serious work. Paul says, don't you know that you're that temple? Don't you know that God's spirit dwells in you? Let me stop for a minute and say this to you. What, what you build into your personal life, you hear me? 
what you build into your personal life will be directly reflected in what is built in to your local church, to your body of believers, the people that you fellowship, the people that you worship with. If you have chosen in your own spiritual life to do nothing more than to exist on milk, you can expect that your church will be wishy-washy that your church will crumble when the fire comes, that when another pandemic arrives, things will get worse. But when we choose in our own lives to grow, to be mature, we begin to build upon the foundation, which is Jesus. I find it interesting that Paul says this, let no one deceive himself. If you think you're wise in this age, you become a fool that you may become wise. The wisdom of this world is folly with God. It's written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are only futile. Don't deceive yourself. If you think you're wise in this age, become a fool that you can become wise. Build your house the right way. He says a man's wisdom will only trap him. A man's wisdom leads to vanity. How many of you have ever been into the Hartville Hardware in the last few years? Did you ever see the house they've built in there? Someday I got to get a house. Someday I'm going to retire. I'm going to go live somewhere other than here. And when they first put the Hartville hardware up, all of my kids were working over there. And when they built that the first time, if you go in there now, there's a second or third version of it as they rechange things out. But when they first built it, Janice was mystified by that. She just loved that concept of one level, one this, one that, the other. One day I went in there, one of the brothers who owns the place or were running it at that time, I said, you know, I like that, blah, 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 blah. You know what I have at home? I have the blueprints for the house that are inside the Hartville Hardware. I went in there one day to get something, and he walked up to me and said, here, I've been saving these for you to come back in. When you're ready to go get a house, there's your plans. I thought it was nice of him. I can't afford that. But anyway, uh, it was a great idea. Church, we got to build according to God's specs with the right materials in the right way, the way he wants it to be done, not the way we want it to be done. Here again what he said, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They're futile. We think that we know better. Hey, the church up there on 30th Street is doing this. Hey, the church down in L.A. is doing this. Hey, the church. No, look at what God's doing in your midst and attach yourself to that. Grow and bring the gifts that you have to that local body and work to build up the body so others become a part of the kingdom where you are. Look at the needs right around you in church. Please hear this next point. Build for the right reason. I want you to hear what Paul says. I know I'm going through a lot of verses this morning. It was a long reading, but hear this. Let no one boast in men. Everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter or the world or life or death or the present or the future. They are all yours and you are Christ's and Christ's, Christ is God's. Let me tell you what he has said right there. You want to have a quality fellowship? Build for the right reason. Not because of Paul. Not because of Apollos. Not because of this person or that person. 
build for the right reason. They all belong to God. They all belong to Christ. Christ belongs to God. Build because of Him. Build because of what He's done. And that really brings me to my bottom line. 1 Corinthians 3 is saying this. I'm going to sum 23 verses up into about six words right here. I guess there's about ten words. Mature Christians worship Christ. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Let me stop and talk that to you for, for a minute about that. Mature Christians worship Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Let's start with worshiping Christ. What does worship mean? It means to tell God what he's worth. You know, I, I have preached, who knows how many sermons I've preached, since 1985. You do the math. Sometimes, sometimes I didn't even take Sundays off for vacation. I would make sure I was home to preach. Think about that, friend. And you know how many times I've had somebody come to the door and say, man, pastor, that was a great message. That was a great message. You know, we were, that one really hit home. That was great. That, you were looking in my bedroom window last night. You know, just all this stuff telling me how wonderful it is. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed when the moving truck pulls out of the driveway, you're about as ancient history as the Roman ages. Do you know why? Because it's not supposed to be about me. Did you hear me? Not when I'm here nor when I'm gone. But let me tell you some other news. It's not supposed to be about you either. Not when you're here, nor when you're gone. Mature Christians know that it is about Jesus. The chairs that are drug out, the weeds that are pulled, the food pantry that happens, the choir when it sings, the sermons that are preached, they're about nobody but Jesus. So Christians, we worship Jesus and him alone. Nothing more. Let's explain that for a minute. What Paul said there is, is understand that there's nobody above Jesus. You can't go to any higher power. You can't go beyond him. He is it. He's the pinnacle of what we worship. He is Jesus, is God come in the flesh. He's the Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the beginning and the ending, he's the first, he's the last, he's the great I am. He's the eternally existent one. You can't get beyond him, so you can't worship anything better. Nothing more. And church, certainly nothing less. Let's talk about that for a minute. When we choose to put our focus on personalities... I want you to imagine for a minute what a slap in the face that is to God. Easton, now you've had your pancakes. Tell Papa. Who makes the best pancakes? IHOP. Now, Joel, tell me. Who is it that you worship again? Oh, Lord, I love Billy Graham. His preaching is the best on earth. Now, now tell me again, Joel, who is it that you worship? Oh, Lord, I love it when the Gaithers sing. I love their music. I love how they are. Now, Joel, tell me again, who is it that, that, that you really, really like in the church? Hey, you know, I think that Debbie does a lot around here, and I think she's a wonderful person. Listen, church, all of that is focusing on the wrong thing. 
It's about Jesus. The reason the Gaithers sing, it's about Jesus. The reason Billy Graham preached, it's about Jesus. The reason Debbie drags chairs out, it's about Jesus. The reason anybody does anything, if it's not about Jesus, it's about something so much less that we should be ashamed. Mature Christians worship Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. One day, when they took Jesus and placed him on the cross, they crucified him and hung him up there. There was a Roman soldier that said, Surely, surely, this was the Son of God. There was a thief that hung next to him that looked and said, He's not just a man. He's not just Mary's son. This man has a kingdom because he's a king. And so he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That statement tells us that that thief knew who Jesus was and that he was royalty, that he was heavenly royalty, that he was a king. Church, listen. Our worship is for him. Nothing more, nothing less and nothing else. Amen.